Okay, so I'm Tracy. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. And first of all, thank you for asking me to come and participate in my own recovery. Um, You know, you hear people say it's an honor and a privilege, and it kind of always made me like roll my eyes back in my head, be like, oh. Um, But that's kind of how I used to feel when people would say they got serenity here. I'm like, ugh, serenity. That sounds so ugh. I feel a little bit differently now. I still like to be kind of energetic. You might notice already. Um, so, a lot of you have heard me over the years. Um, last November 3rd, I celebrated 29 years of continuous day and night abstinence from compulsive overeating and uh, any form of anorexia and bulimia. And... Um, It's only because of rooms like this and people like you guys that I've been able to come here, stay here, and end up with as much sanity and comfort in my own skin as I actually have. Um, I had neither of those things when I got here. Very briefly, what it used to be like, for those of you who don't know me, I grew up in a family where the emphasis was on outsides. Um, we were all, I was the oldest of three girls. We were all um, good at doing things. I was really good at doing things. And so it seemed like life wasn't that difficult for me. Um, I got good grades in school without having to do a whole lot of effort. I was really good in lots of different outside activities, sports and ballet and art and things like that. And so I got a lot of acknowledgement for those things. Um, What was less obvious, except for to me, although I didn't have words for it at the time, was that I felt like my entire existence was being defective. Um, I was born with a cleft lip and palate, so I was clearly uh, chosen by God to be punished. That's what I thought. And um, because the outsides were so important, clearly I failed. And so it didn't really matter all the things I did and all of the accomplishments because I could never even get to zero in my mind. Now, of course, I wasn't thinking about it in these words or with this kind of clarity. I just, you know, live my life like all little kids do. Um, I was really super active, so my complete crazy sugar addiction uh, didn't show. Um, We have a joke in my family that I think I was seven, and I asked my mom if we could just have an icing cake for my birthday, because who wanted to bother with the cake? Um, And that kind of never really changed. When I was anorexic in college, I would eat lettuce and vinegar, for uh, during the week and then when we would go out with my theater people late at night I would literally eat one of those things of sugar where you like pour the thing and coffee and that was how I lived and it's amazing that my body even functions Um, I started gaining a little bit of weight at puberty but not that much I was still quite active but what was crazy was my head and so it didn't matter if I was maybe 10 pounds less than I am now or 10 pounds more than I am now and my range was a lot bigger but that was kind of how I generally was Um, I felt like I weighed 500 pounds now I know it was like I had so many feelings that I didn't know what to do with them and they 
I experienced them as, you know, I weighed 500 pounds. I was the Michelin blimp. Um, and it didn't matter if nobody saw me that way. And I kind of knew that people didn't see me that way because I knew. And it was that same bottom line is, you know, I'm defective. And whether you can see this scar and it's as big to you as it is to me or not, um, or whether you identify me as a thigh, which is how I walked around for years thinking that, you know, I'm a, I'm a scar on my face and I'm a thigh. Um, you know, whether you saw that or not, it didn't matter because that's how I knew it really was. And you were just either lying or stupid if you didn't see it that way. Um, so I started doing crazy food things um, because it was important to be as small as possible. And I don't exactly know why that I thought it was as important to be as small as possible other than that was what was the standard in my family. So that's just how we were supposed to look. And um, in college, I had signs all over my dorm room. I feel so sorry for my, you know, dorm mate saying, lose weight, you fat pig. And I weighed probably 15 pounds less than I weigh now. Um, and so I would do my little food things that I described. And then eventually, as many of you may know, um, the anorexia stopped working. And I could no longer keep that kind of control. And so then I became an exercise and laxative bulimic. Um, I was never very good at throwing up. I thought that was really sad. Um, and thank God, you know. Um, so for the next 10 years, basically, I was either, you know, overeating or compulsively exercising or being on some weird food plan or, you know, uh, taking laxatives or binging and starving or, you know, and at the same time that was going on, I could look around the room. I'm not kidding. And I could say what everybody weighed, including me, but, I, you know, I could say what everybody weighed. And I was looking at what you were eating. I was thinking about what I was going to eat. I was thinking about what I had eaten. You know, I had this gerbil wheel in my head that never stopped. And the fact that I also was doing a lot of other compulsive addictive behaviors and my favorite was move to a new country, learn a new language, and get a new boyfriend. Um, but I had all the other usual ones, too, except gambling, which I was too cheap to do. Um, it didn't ring the bell. <laughs> in any way, in any case, I was able to kind of have this life that looked kind of okay on the outside because I was good at doing things. And all those things helped me not have to be me. That's how it felt. Um, I don't think I could have articulated that either, but I didn't have to speak English. I didn't have to live in America. I could, you know, in, reinvent myself. I had this career that sounded glamorous. It wasn't, but it sounded like it was. And so I could kind of talk to you or whoever and make myself be okay because you thought like, oh, that's cool or oh, how interesting or whatever. And um, of course, it didn't make up for it, but I was trying as best I could to just kind of be in the world. And um, school was another compulsive addictive behavior because I'm good at that. What ended up happening was my company went broke because my business partner in another country basically said, you are obnoxious, and I was. Um, that drivenness 
you know, just kind of seeped out into everything and everyone. And I'm sure I was extremely unpleasant to be around a lot of the time because if you didn't see it the way I saw it, then just get out of the way. Um, so I crashed and burned and I ended up having to move back to America. Um, I couldn't get a job in my field for eight months, which was mortifying. I'd never not had work that I liked and wanted. And um, when I did get a job, it was at the complete other end of the spectrum from what I had been used to doing. Um, same field, but like, I was so ashamed. And what happened really was I had nowhere to go. I lived with my grandfather. I rode a moped. I was waitressing because I couldn't get a job. Um, I owed a lot of money, which, you know, was maybe $20,000, but back then that was like, you know, $200,000 now or something. Um, you know, I lived with my grandfather. I was completely embarrassed to talk to anybody I had ever known. Um, and I couldn't run away from the fact that I hated me, I hated you, I hated the world, and I had no clue of how to do life. Um, so, of course, I ate more. And exercise more and use laxatives more and was just stuck. And for me, it might not sound that bad to some people. Um, that was pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I, there was just nowhere else I could hide. It didn't matter if I had lots of college degrees. It didn't matter if I had boyfriends, quote unquote, boyfriends in this country or that country. It didn't matter where I had gone for vacation, you know, whatever. I mean, because... You know, it's like, would you like catch up with that was what I was basically saying. Um, every so often be like, I, re- I used to be a clothes designer. As if they cared, you know, they just wanted their catch up. So I connected with an old friend from uh, college. And he was going to another 12-step program. And I went with him, not because I felt like I qualified, which later I realized I probably did. But because I had nothing else to do. <laughs> And the weirdest thing was that from the very minute I walked into that room, I loved it. And I couldn't tell you why, but I think I heard the truth. And I didn't even know what the truth was because I grew up in a family where the truth was very, you know, twisted. Um, And so I stayed. And within a few weeks, I found these rooms, which I did not love nearly as much because, of course, this is where I really needed to be. And this was not nearly as, you know, cool as those other rooms. But it's where I needed to be. And I knew it. And so I stayed. And I got a sponsor. I got commitments. I got a support group of friends that were, like, so kind. And... I would say things like to myself like, oh, we are all such losers. But I would also say, well, I have nowhere else to go and I like these people and they're kind to me and they like me. So, you know, like what's the big deal? And I started readjusting my attitude and my perception of how I worked, how the world worked and how, you know, life on earth actually is. So I had a very skewed idea um, you know, I think, I think I thought that we all lived in Tracy land, and if it wasn't the way I thought it was supposed to be, something was terribly wrong. Um, and I spent a lot of energy and time trying to make, you know, Tracy land work. Um, so I got here, 
I got abstinent. Uh, my abstinence has always been um, no bulimia in any form and no anorexia in any form. And I took that abstinence because my first sponsor said, well, actually, she was probably my third or fourth sponsor because I went through a few in the first few months. Uh, I kept picking my mother. Who knew? Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, pick something that you are pretty sure you can do for one day. And having a very rigid food plan, which is what I wanted to have, like I didn't know if I could do that for a day, because what if I had an extra green bean, or what if I, you know, so this I knew I was pretty sure I could do it for a day, and so I've done it ever since. Um, my food plans have varied depending on health issues or just getting older and so I can't eat as much if I want to be the same size. I fit in my clothes for you know, pretty much the past mm, 20 years. I haven't really changed. You know, I have like a range. Um, and when I'm at the top of the 10-pound range, I don't really like it very much, but I fit in my clothes and then I make choices that are, help me feel more comfortable in my skin. Um, I can't say how much this program has changed my life. From being pretty much unconscious to living like in my skin, able to connect to human beings on the planet, willing to go through whatever it is that's in front of me, with or without grace, depends. But appreciative of the different challenges I've had to face um, that's just such a different attitude than how I walked in here I remember having a friend in college who told me you know you try really hard and I was so insulted like you know I was thought I was supposed to make it look like you know I just did it effortlessly but what I realized what he was saying is it took so much energy and so much tension just to try to put it out that I was okay, right? And it's not that I never do that, but I don't think I do that very much. Um, and of course I still want people to like me. I mean, that's pretty human. But if you don't, that's okay. Because I like me. And I could never have said that before without lying. Um, and so the miracle is I get like this really cool life. I do stuff that I enjoy for work. Um, I'm pretty good at it. Every day is fun. Um, when things are difficult, I have a very deep spiritual appreciation for whatever it is I might need to learn. Because I truly believe that going through all the different challenges that I've had to go through that any of us go through, um, you know, it's like school's in session, this is life, and that's how Earth seems to work to me. Um, and there's not really exceptions, you know. This is humans on Earth. Um, and so I can appreciate those things even when they're uncomfortable, um, and they're certainly not. Some, I call them ugly presents. Like, you would never pick those things out from under the tree. But they've actually turned out to be, I mean, the fact that I'm here, that was not something I would have picked out from under the tree. But the fact that I'm here means I get to have a life that's like my real life, not my pretend life. Um, I get to have, you know, really interesting adventures. 
Um, I'm still a very energetic person. I still like to learn things and go try new things and explore a lot. And I've been able to do that. You know, there's nowhere that I can't go and be abstinent. There's really probably not that many places on the planet where I could go and if I wanted to connect with a fellow in one way or another, be able to do that without a whole lot of, you know, effort. Um, I think the amount of peace I've gotten just in being, period, is, I mean, there's just, there's no way to measure that or there's no way to, thank you, there's no way to, because um, it was so far outside of my awareness, like I didn't even know that was something to want. And in fact, it would sound like serenity to me, like, ugh, boring people do that. Um, I'm like, where's the next roller coaster, please? And I still kind of like that. But when there isn't a roller coaster and there's not a task to do or there's not something new to, you know, some new mountain to climb, like, I'm perfectly fine being me. And um, I'm really grateful that I've gotten to have people like you guys, some of you literally people like you guys and some of you figuratively, who have been walking this path with me, you know, for so long. Um, you know, you come in, uh, I came in at, you know, 26, 27, and so it's like, wow, I'm 56 now. How did that all happen? But it's really cool because the truth is I like myself a trillion times more now than I ever did then. And there's nothing that I could have earned or bought or created that would give me what I've gotten from working this program um, yes peace with food of course but to me whatever brings us in the door that's the entry ticket that is not the show the show is working a program of recovery meaning the steps and the tools and all of the things involving the fellowship and the spirituality which to me is everything but I feel like I should mention that um, that you know that's the show that's what not being on that wheel in my head with food weight body food weight body mine yours and everybody else's has allowed me to get to this um, but the steps and the tools are what made that from there to here possible um, you know I just can't still be in the crazy if I'm going to learn and grow on a spiritual level it's just you can't you know I'm good at spinning plates but not you can't spin you know trillions of plates and keep them all going so I had to let go of that one which is what we come here and say I'm powerless over food and my life's unmanageable I had to let go of that one in order to get all of this and um, you know this is so amazing because no matter where I am no matter what I'm doing this comes with me now some people that maybe have a more um, mm, I would say not really human but whatever you call it an idea of God that is more of like God and man's man and God's image or whatever 
might see that as God. My my idea of um, God, just to use that as a shorthand, is really everythingness and the creativity of the world and the swirling atoms that exist. That you know we're all made out of stardust. That's just the truth. I mean, if we go down down say like you know nuclear physics and string theory, like we are all made of the same stuff and that includes everything humans and everything else too and to me that energy that is within and outside of each of us is God and that that energy wants us to become the most us we can both in the sense of the biggest in creating in creating but also the most refined in being the most me and I don't think there's only one way to do that but for me working the steps and being involved in this program has really been the method that has worked the best and I've used lots of outside tools believe me I needed I needed to share a lot more than three minutes in a row (laughs) a lot more Yeah, like three hours a week, really, lit, really, um, was how much I needed to share for a long time. And thank God, you know, here I am in Los Angeles where there's like lots of options to do all kinds of things if we need them. And people have been so kind. And the people that walked, you know, before me um, are still walking before me and they're still learning things in their life. And, um, you know, I think that's also the cool part is it doesn't end. There's never a finish that I get to continue to learn and grow, um, you know, until I transition to whatever's next. And I so appreciate um, being able to do this because I didn't know it was a choice and I didn't know it was an option. And I thank you all for being here and for letting me do this. Thank you. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are mine and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. No, I do work the steps all over again, um, and I have done it a lot of times um, in these years. Um, yeah, I think that you know what I'm powerless over and what makes my life unmanageable now. I hope to heck is not the same as when I walked in here 29 years ago. Some of the things there's a through line, right? Because I'm still me, but. Um, you know, I don't think about my food, my weight, and my body 24-7, 363 days of the year. You know, two days maybe. Um, so I've worked them with different sponsors. I've used different formats. I've gone to different kinds of workshops. Um, you know, I don't think there's a wrong way. And, you know, my first fourth step it took me uh, 18 months to get it done because I just could not get it together to do the columns. So somebody gave me that seven-question version that they use for people who were like really brain damaged, I think. Um, and you could just like answer the question, so I could do that. Um, and I'm getting ready to start 
working them again. I talked with one of the people that I share doing steps with, 10 steps usually, but I said, I think I'm ready to, you know, re-up it again. So I haven't decided with her or with whoever, you know, exactly how um, I'm going to go about doing that. But, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I was a compulsive uh, shoplifter. And so I owed like $80,000 of shoplifting amends. Um, That was a lot of money back in 1986. And I heard a woman who, I'm not sure if she's still around. She would be quite old if she is. Um, This elderly, beautiful woman from the valley who had this silver hair. And she looked like, you know, your grandma if she was a model. And she was a shoplifter. And she talked in a meeting about how she made amends. And so I talked to her, and it took about 10 years. But I paid back. At a certain point, my sponsor said, okay, because I sold everywhere I went, mostly you know, a lot of other countries. And when I would go to those countries, I would make huge donations, huge to me, you know, to like the 12-step programs, but I wasn't going to every train station and every airport and, you know, trying to find like who's in charge and saying, I stole like 47 postcards and three pens and, you know, some coffee. Um, But eventually I paid that all off. And it was an amazing experience. The places in L.A. that I dined and dashed and I went and paid them back, like people gave me coupons to come eat. It was like, are you kidding me? Here's your $300 or whatever we estimated it was. And then it would be like, okay, well, here's 50 bucks worth of coupons. Please come back. People were so nice. It was weird. But it was, it was remarkably empowering, which I think is the point of the ninth step. The personal ones, some of them were much more uncomfortable. Of course, the first one I made was to an ex-boyfriend I hoped to get back together with. That didn't work. But... <laughs> I tried, though. I really tried. Um, The personal ones were mostly good experiences and pretty empowering, although there was more of a mixed bag because, you know, people have their own stuff. And so I had a few that were just uncomfortable, but I did what, you know, and I had a long list. I mean, not just the shoplifting list, the other list. Um... But doing them, actually, I think the point of the ninth step is to really rocket you into that other level of being at peace in your own skin. And it worked. Hi. Hi. First of all, thank you for that great share. Thank you. I forgot what I'm supposed to say. What came to me is... um, so you just spoke about amends, and you just spoke about that, but how about the inventory, which is pre that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've done, like I said, lots of inventories. I've probably done, I don't know, 15 maybe over all these years. I mean, good ones, not just like the spot inventories, but like inventories. Um, some were longer, some were shorter. None were as long as one of my sponsees. I'm not kidding. She had like three notebooks, like notebooks, full, bless her heart. Like, wow, that was very thorough. Um, 
so I've done all different versions. I've done the you know, 362 question version. I've done the columns, you know, multiple times. Um, I've usually, like I said, the first one, it took me 18 months to get it together to do that. Um, I've found them, you know, over time, I found them easier to do because I'm not so fearful and I don't have so much shame. You know, like whatever it is that I've done, well, if you haven't done it, you know, six other people in this room surely have. And so it's like, okay, well, that's just part of being human and it may not be the most attractive angle, but it's part of being human. And so it gets easier in a way to reveal myself. What gets harder, I think, is that some of the things that were so obvious, you know, like well, what I have that is just outside of my, you know, angle of sight now is still just outside my angle of sight now. So it takes either life or you or some sort of circumstance for me to be able to see those character defects in the ways that they manifest that I'm not aware of. Some of them I'm totally aware of. Like, I can have a very snarky attitude and bless my husband. He's the one who, you know, gets that tone of voice even though it has nothing to do with him, and he knows it, thank goodness. But, you know, that can come out, and I'm aware. And just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, does not cut it. I need to change, for me, this is step six and seven, which I'm kind of morphing the question, but I need to act as if that character defect has been removed. Otherwise, I'm not practicing letting go. So, not just apologizing, but truly keeping in mind every day like how do I want to be talked to how do I want to respond if I'm tired or cranky or hungry maybe I just need to say I'm tired or cranky or hungry and that doesn't take away from if I'm snarky too (laughs) but at least I'm kind of like okay I'm very cranky today you know Mrs. Crabapple is living here so if you don't want to deal with that you know like tell me to go sit in the other room or something and I can kind of use humor to deal with it but I think you know, the first few fourth steps were probably the most difficult. Um, although when my first marriage ended and I had to look at a huge chunk of how I contributed to that, that was also very difficult. But by then, you know, I'd been in recovery long enough that it was also very empowering at the same time. So it kind of balances out more. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about... Um healing or progress or I'm not sure if we're used about um, family of origin yeah um, so I have a good relationship with my family um, they're actually going to be coming over for a holiday dinner next week um, and it's been a long journey I would say that in the first year I thought I grew up in the Brady Bunch and that everybody on the planet would be so lucky to have a family like mine the second year, I realized a lot of things that I hadn't really realized before. And as often happens, you know, things that I hadn't remembered became like, oh, wow. Hmm. Um, and then the pieces started fitting together in a way that's actually much more real. So there were a few years there when I was not happy with my parents, particularly. Um, I didn't cut off ties. I was able, because I was so good at putting on a show my whole life, I could still go and be polite and, you know, show up maybe for an hour, you know, and then go somewhere else. Like, 
hang out with you guys or have holidays with you guys and then go visit, you know, for coffee or whatever and then leave and it was okay if they didn't like it. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, there are a couple people not in my nuclear family but in my more extended family that, you know, they should be here. They're very, it's very sad to see 30 years of like what I've gotten versus 30 years of their struggles and um, and yet I have compassion for them I know I know it, it, like again it's not Tracy land so I don't know what their path is supposed to be and um, the challenges that I've had to confront both in terms of being you know a loving wife a loving daughter a loving sister you know a loving family member um, you know, everybody has their own journey, so I try not to have too much judgment about how they've done it, knowing that there's always reasons. I don't know necessarily what they are, but there's always reasons that people act the way they do, you know. Um, so I think having more compassion towards, I mean, it's kind of the whole point of the steps, right? Like, if I have more compassion towards myself, and I have more compassion towards you, or if I have more compassion towards you, and then I have more compassion to myself, like, Again, we're all here on the planet doing, for the most part, doing our best, even if it looks not very good. And um, so I can live with that. And I can give of myself in a way that's comfortable for me. I also have really good boundaries, which I had none before. So, you know, that really helps with family of origin to, you know, navigate, like, what's the right amount for me? And if you need more or less, well, that's okay. But I still can do what's right for me. Thank you. Thank you so much for your share. Can you talk about the work that you've done and some of it might might have not touched on that that gut feeling of being defective and how you've got some feelings around that? Yes. Do you still feel it? Um. Repeat the question. Yes. Um, she asked if I could talk about my healing around the feeling of being defective and if that sometimes maybe still I still experience that um, I don't think I experienced it like directly I, I am I okay <laughs> maybe I do um, I think um, you know some because for me it was at birth so some of it is probably so not words, it's so cellular that I don't think that goes away. But I don't actively live it most of the time. Um, and if I do have thoughts that are related to that, if I'm in a good spiritual place, I can totally give myself better information. Um, I Yes, I think that for sure the steps and like I said the entry ticket of not being compulsive with food um, has allowed me in but a lot of outside help lot 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 um, and I don't think they are separate from each other right like I don't think if I was abs- if I wasn't abstinent I don't think outside help I mean when I do just like stir my own pot for an hour or whatever you know however many times a week I mean because I didn't have enough clarity to have good additional information and so being in recovery has allowed me that clarity Um, I think being able to talk about it 
and letting go of the shame has also been a very huge piece which I've been able to do in rooms like this as well as in outside situations as well as in like the public when it comes up where it's appropriate um, you know because of being able to talk about having a scar on my face it has become I think the equivalent of well an inch I don't know three-fourths of an inch like that's how much space it takes up most of the time it isn't my entire self um, also being able to help others who had similar or kind of similar I work with people who were disfigured in various ways for a long time and I felt like that was very healing for me because I was also able to see in other people what I was you know, trying to do in myself and so being able to do that kind of like here you know we share our experience strength and hope because it helps us as much as it helps the people that we're sharing it with so I think that was also something that was very helpful Michael so you mentioned that you like to try new things Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think the things that I'm afraid of are not the trying new things kind of fears. I think I'm much more afraid of being intimate and being connected. So, you know, going to India for a month um, is not scary to me. Going skydiving is not scary to me. Going somewhere where I don't know anybody is not scary to me. Um, hanging out with people that know me really well and not just kind of being well I won't say being superficial because that's very boring to me but being as deeply myself as I can that's kind of scary to me so what I'm actually doing now is I'm, I'm taking a class in spiritual development that is separate from 12-step world but totally fits like it's just another kind of a tool and I think that that spiritual growth which sounds so cliche but when you're doing it it isn't right I think that that will allow me to confront this deeper level fear um, with more equanimity more you know being more accepting um, also talking about it Right, like just saying this is scary to me and not hiding that like it's t totally fine to do something that's scary or I can ask for help like have you done that thing well let me go can you help me um, and learning to do that has helped a huge amount I think asking for help is easier in a way if I say like let's go to India together than if I say will you come home to my house and help me just like be really present with my husband because that would be odd but but I still think that uh, there are people that I can talk to who are confronting those kinds of fears um, so I think I'm done right yep I'm done <laughs>